Hello, my lovelies. Welcome back to another episode of Did You Read the Book, a comparative podcast where movie buffs and bookworms come together to talk about stories and their adaptations that we love, hate, or love to hate. I am your host, Aaron Palmer, and today I am joined yet again by Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Welcome back. Hello. Good to be back. Yay. I'm so glad you're here. Round two. Round two. Yes. Of many. Of hopefully many. <laughs> uh, I am so excited to talk about this with you because we're bringing it back because you had actually mentioned this in the first episode that I ever yes. did. I was actually we're, just thinking about that. I know. we Because this was one of your recommendations. So Daniel, uh-huh. what are we talking about today? Today... We are talking about Altered Carbon, which is by Richard K. Morgan. It was uh, it came out in 2002. It's book one of three of the Takeshi Kovach series. Awesome. Uh, sci-fi, by the way. Yes. Epic sci-fi and like very, uh, not steampunk, but very, um, uh, what's, what's, what's the theme I'm thinking of? Well, I have I have something to compare it to, but we'll get we'll get to that. <laughs> like the genre is like, it's all over the place. Um, the genre. Yeah. 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 And the adaptation is also called Altered Carbon, and it is actually a season one of two seasons uh, created by Leti Calogridis, and it was produced by Netflix in 2018. And it is starring Joel Kinnaman, William Lee, Renee Elise Goldsberry, Dishan Lockman, Martha Higareta, and James Purefoy, and many, many, many others. So lots of really yeah. good cast choicing for the, it's the top billing. Yeah, a lot of really big names. So awesome. Well, uh, before we get started, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about a lot of things in depth. So if you don't want things spoiled for you, pause, go watch the show, go read the book and come back to us. And before we get started, Daniel, are you (laughs) pro-choice? Oh, now we're getting into it. Oh, no, we're going down a road I don't want to go down. You know Uh, what? Never mind. Let's talk about that instead. We're switching topics today. Let's really get into it. (laughs) All right, everyone, Uh, hang on to your hats. Oh, God. What what an episode that would be. Uh, Are you pro-source or are you pro-adaptation? God, this is actually really tough. Um, Yeah. I do think that I am pro-source at the end of the day. If I had to choose one, I think I'm Um, pro-source. Even though I really do like the show. Yeah. And I think the show is really good. And I would recommend it to pretty much anyone who is a sci-fi fan. Um, yeah. But I think that the book, I like the book better. Yeah. It's a really, really hard pick because I feel like uh, the last time we, we talked, it was very distinctive that mm-hmm. one was just like stellar writing and they just didn't quite hit that tone with the adaptation. Yeah. But this with this comparison, I think it's going to be a lot harder um, I yes. think there's a lot of really good things that they did between the two that it was hard to kind of separate which one was better because the tone was very much represented on both sides. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Daniel, could you give us a synopsis of the book, please? Yes, I can. This is a bit of a a uh, smash together of what's on the back of the book because what's on the back of the book is a bit long. So... In the 25th century, humankind has spread throughout the galaxy, monitored by the watchful eye of the UN. While divisions in race, religion, and class still exist, advances in technology have redefined life itself. Ex-UN envoy Takeshi Kovach has been killed before, but his last death was particularly painful. Dispatched 180 light years from home, re-sleeved into a body in Bay City, 
Kovach is thrown into the dark heart of a shady, far-reaching conspiracy that is vicious even by the standards of a society that treats existence as something that can be bought and sold. Ooh. Yeah. That is really, uh, oh, it's really nice color to kind of show you what the world is when they drop you into it mm-hmm. um, without actually telling you much about the actual plot of the story. Like it doesn't mention anything of what actually is no. happening in the book, <laughs> which I think is kind of interesting. But this is just kind of a hodgepodge that you found, right? Yeah, well, it that yeah, that there's like a little bit more like flavor text on the back of the book in that goes into like kind of a little bit more of like the world building where they mm-hmm. I think they mention like the cortical stack on the back of the book, but but mm-hmm. again, they don't really go into it. They just Very mention it. So, but I thought I was like, yeah, we'll 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 get to that. So, it's Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great intro to kind of show you what the world is like, just like a little taste, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, let's hear your thoughts. What? So you said that the book is your kind of choice pick. So yes. what kind of stood out to you? What did you like about it? What kind of draws you in? Yes, um, the uh, I I mentioned this earlier, right before we started recording, but um, there were a. I, I wish I had gone through. It, it's kind of hard when you're like first reading to kind of stop and like take note of something because you want to keep reading and i wish yeah. that i had i wish that i had because there were definitely definite parts in the book that were written the descriptions that takeshi gives of things are very uh in-depth but also like personal mm-hmm. so like he i'm trying unfortunately just can't think of an exact example but like something that will happen because he is kind of a fish out of water a little bit uh, because yeah. he has been on what do they call it on in storage on ice, on, on ice. yeah um, he has been on ice for like 200 years or something 250 I think um, yeah like oh I think 250 or a little bit over that so for our listeners who don't uh, who have not read the book and are just kind of jumping in welcome and uh, to give you a little bit of a background so Takeshi Kovach the, the way the book starts is he gets put into a body or what they call a sleeve. And mm-hmm. it's not his body. It's just a body that they chose. And they put his cortical stack, which is like basically the human consciousness on a disc that they stick in the base of your neck. So you yeah. can body jump around to any body. And so when you're not in a body, you're just housed in a like a digital like well, they're stacked. Like a or USB a stick pretty it's much. Like, like... Yeah, it's like a disc. Um, they they put you on ice is what that yeah. term is. So just to give you a little background on that. Yeah. So he is a criminal who uh, the prologue of the book starts with him dying and they kill his body. But then they take a stack out, put him on on ice for like 250 years. And then the book mm-hmm. really starts when he gets pulled off of ice in order to complete a job for a super rich person, which they call meths. I don't remember mm-hmm. why they call them that. I, I feel like they say, but I don't remember. They do. Um, oh gosh, now I'm totally spacing. I think they referenced it in the show that it's like a superior race. And so they pulled the name from that. And these are people who are so rich that they basically can live forever. So they're, you know, 300 plus years old, maybe 400 years old, where they just never die because they've got infinite amount of resources to just rebuild their bodies over and over and over again. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got this, like, extremely elite class of people 
who just basically overlord over everything because they have unlimited resources. Yeah. I think that this the it's so crazy because the book was written in 2002, I believe. Yeah, 2002, mm-hmm. um, which obviously is like not that long ago. Um, no, you know, 19 years. But it is crazy how how relatable this the topic of this book is where wow. it's like right now it's and I think that's actually what makes kind of the best sci fi is is sci fi that makes a statement on something. Mm hmm. Like the original um, Star Trek, like the like the 60s oh, yeah. Star Trek, I think is like such good sci-fi because they use these stories to talk about social issues. So oh, it's yeah. like it was huge. It's it was not just a crazy story. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, the one with like the, the people who are white on the left side, black on the right side, and then the people who are black on the left side and white on the right side and they hate each other and kirk comes in and he's like why like you you literally are exactly the same except like you just have switched colors and obviously it's about racism Mm -hmm. and like so this story is is very similar in that where it is a a story of you know it's a detective story pretty much in the future but it also is about classism majorly oh yeah yeah huge dichotomy and i mean that's kind of the whole premise of the the cortical stacks that, you know, if you can actually retain the human consciousness in a disc and then just keep popping it in and out of other right. bodies, you eliminate the option of death, right? Exactly. And that's a huge, huge drive for the book that, you know, it's like when, when you have all this money and you have all this power and and you have no, you know, death is never hanging over you what do you become out of that and and so the myths are are that result and it is pretty disturbing yes the, the kind of society that's been built around that because they just it's a very like devil may care kind of situation where they're like oh we can do whatever we want right the rules don't apply to us no accountability for the maths zero accountability yeah because there's no end game right you're you're they just living die. and living and living and right yeah it's pretty scary actually to think of that cuz <laughs> putting that into like today's like right kind of realm would be terrifying to think that like jeff like bezos would just live forever <laughs> and that's the thing is like imagine how much money like yeah jeff bezos has made in his life now now multiply that by you know four years. or five you know lifetimes yeah. and like how much wealth could someone amass in five lifetimes yeah like and not just anyone obviously like you know, because there are still super poor people in this universe mm-hmm. that have nothing. And so it's mm-hmm. like and it's I guess there's something important to mention is that the the meths have clones of mm-hmm. of their sleeves. So when their sleeve gets old or if they die or something um, happens to it, or yeah. something happens to it, then they just get resleeved into a new ver- version of themselves mm-hmm. and whatever image however they want themselves to feel however they think they should look so like Lawrence Bancroft is is mm-hmm. the meth that we are first introduced to and his wife Miriam they are what well, Lawrence is like 300 at least I think he's over 300 because he references well actually that that might be the show so never mind he does reference like oh I was alive during this time but I think it's the show that yes. he actually mentions when he was like yeah. yeah he's a, he's over 300 years old at least yeah and and but he looks like 50 like yeah maybe 60 maybe yeah yeah. and i think there's like a comment he makes about like 
there's a reason he like he wants to not look like a young man because young mm-hmm. men aren't respected. Right. He wants to look like like an older man because it gets some amount of respect. But really, he's actually you know way older than yeah. than fifty. But his all of his clones look exactly the same. So he just gets mm-hmm. resleeved into a into a clone, and then he's you know fifty again. Um, yeah. But his consciousness is is much much older. And so it kind of Wild. creates this godhood mm-hmm. in these people because they, I mean, obviously because they can't die. Oh, and something else to mention is that they they have like cloud saves of their consciousness. Yeah. So yeah, they needle cast. Yeah. Yeah, the average person can't doesn't have a copy of their uh, cortical stack. Yeah, of their consciousness, mm-hmm. and are actually not allowed to make. Like you aren't allowed to have two copies of your consciousness active at a time. Yeah, they call that double sleeving in the book where you have your body or your consciousness in two different bodies simultaneously. Yes, and you are not allowed to do that. Which, I mean, the meths aren't either. No, no, they're sleeved one at a time, but they have a backup save so that if something happens to their cortical stack, because cortical stacks can still get destroyed. Mm -hmm. um, And if that gets destroyed, then it's called real death. And they and you can't come back from you can't be resleeved because the you know there's no data anymore nothing yeah, yeah nothing left mm-hmm. so that's why they all have like these nice little cloud saves so that if the cortical stack gets destroyed then they just download themselves and get back into a new stack and then resleeve and then In their new know, body yeah they're back again so they're they're immortal essentially. Yeah, it's yeah, it's wild. And I think that they they have like it's like a 48 hour window. If, like if something happens to their cortical stack and yeah, and they resleeve, they've just like lost 48 hours because that was like the last yes. backup or something like that. Right. They won't remember. Yeah, they, they have to back up in the show. I think it's 24 hours. But in the book, okay. yeah, it's it's there's it's some window. I don't remember mm-hmm. what is in the book. But yeah, every 24 hours ish, they cloud save and then they you know, keep going from there. Yeah. And yeah. If, if for whatever reason, you know, whatever the time difference between their last backup and when they die, if for whatever mm-hmm. reason the stack gets destroyed, then they uh, they lose that memory. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, and that actually segues perfectly into, so like, let's talk about why. So we talked about that Takeshi Kovach is pulled off ice by yes. Lawrence Bancroft. So let's talk about why that is. Yeah. So, so Lawrence, yeah. So Lawrence Bancroft gets killed or or dies i guess his cortical stack gets destroyed and he gets resleeved he comes back and he doesn't remember what happened and he you know talks to the police bay city police about it and they say oh well it was just a suicide like you know you just you just killed yourself and then you now you've resleeved and it's fine you know whatever and he is insistent that it was a murder that someone Mm -hmm. tried to kill him and and the bay city police just don't have they don't care they're whatever you know no yeah. one like you you're not ha- you, actually you didn't dead. really die yeah like you so didn't die cares? you're in your body everything's fine so what's the big deal right <laughs> right yeah they have this thing that they call organic damage which is mm-hmm. uh, as it sounds it's just it's any damage done to a sleeve and then up to i believe i think sleeve death is its own level it'd be like yeah but it's not as big like real death is like a big deal and that it's is punished death. heavily yeah that is actually murder. <laughs> but sleeve death or organic damage is not punished as heavily. It'd be like mm-hmm. like punching someone now would be like organic damage. Like you could mm-hmm. cut off someone's arm in this world. You know, you'd be treated as like, well, you know, you got into a fight. 
like it's a misdemeanor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not a big deal. <laughs> it's so weird and gross to think about. Like the fact that they call them sleeves is so mm-hmm. gross. It is kind of creepy. But it really, really lets you know how little the body you're in actually matters. Mm-hmm. Because your consciousness just transcends the specific body you're in. Right. Yeah. It's pretty weird. Yeah. So yeah. So Lawrence Bancroft gets killed. And then he pulls some strings because he's super rich and he has like pull in the UN. And he pulls mm-hmm. Takeshi Kovach off of ice, puts him into into the body of the the former body of of a, of a guy named Elias Riker, who was mm-hmm. a Bay City police officer who was put away for uh, uh, for, for real death, right? Real deathing, yeah. yeah, some people. So he brings this guy, and so Takeshi is this UN envoy. He's like the special ops. Like they used to send these guys in or these people in into like a place. They're they're like you know how like the CIA like goes in and overthrows governments in real in yeah. real life. That's yep. like what these guys do, but for entire planets. Yeah. They go in, they overthrow the government, and they install their puppets, and then they, mm-hmm. you know, and then they leave. Yeah. Um, and that was what they used to do. That was what he used to do. They're like the, like na- like Navy SEALs on steroids, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Like black yeah. Navy SEALs. It's pretty intense. <laughs> and they, they have this sort of like sixth sense, it seems like. They're very aware. Mm-hmm. It's so funny that they call them envoys because- Mm-hmm. Envoy is like a diplomatic word. Yeah, um, they're they're not. And they're they literally, terrorists. yeah, they're they're <laughs> yeah. trained. They're trained killers. Like they're mm-hmm. they are assassins. They are they kind of are diplomatic in that they you know install a puppet government for the UN. But it, yeah, but like yeah, they're not like a they're not a diplomatic. You think like oh, it's like an envoy. It's like an ambassador, and it's like mm-hmm. well, I mean, kind of, really. I guess, but uh, not really. <laughs> An ambassador of death. <laughs> they are, yeah, these like soldiers that have just been taught how to kill in a thousand different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the the big thing about the envoys that they they make a really big deal of mentioning is that a lot of the times they're getting dropped into a planet they don't know. They're getting dropped into mm-hmm. bodies they don't know. And for anybody else in the systems, that would be a really really jarring thing that you'd have. It would take like days, weeks to really acclimate to something like that. But the the Months. envoys have been trained to basically be able to adjust within hours of them being dropped, if not even minutes. Like, I mean, they immediately transition and then they're ready for whatever their, you know, their task is, which is extremely hard to do. So that's why they're, Mm -hmm. they're so dangerous (laughs) because they can just drop and be ready at the drop of a hat. Like imagine if you just woke up tomorrow in a completely different body and like mm-hmm. like not even just like like a completely different everything like if i yeah. woke up and i was in like like an 80 year old woman's body mm-hmm. and it'd be like okay now now go yeah, go, go fight go do your people thing. go oh you know go do yeah. all this on stuff a planet you don't you know yeah and a you don't know you don't know and it could be it could be the next day it could be 200 years it's literally right. like time is irrelevant so what what time has passed for you you have no idea right. what you know, century you're getting dropped into. So it's a really jarring experience for the average person. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what makes the envoys so unique and terrifying. <laughs> right. And he even talks about like, he does still get like a little sleeve sick. Like he does get disoriented at ver- at first. Yeah. But he talks about like his envoy training and how he's like things that tricks that he knows how to like push past 
that mm-hmm. sort of disorientation of uh, yeah. of being in a new body that's not yours. Yeah, and he's got all those tips and tricks. And I, I think it was kind of cool that they make a really big deal of like when he gets re-sleeved in the very beginning. It's like they don't allow mirrors anywhere yes. because you seeing yourself in a new body is really really jarring so they're like off. we don't we don't recommend having any mirrors until you've kind of acclimated a little bit more but his first question is like i need a mirror give me yeah, a mirror he wants a mirror yeah that's part of his training is to force his brain to acclimate to this new face yeah as quickly as he can as to fast as you the can new body. yeah yeah it's it's such a crazy concept to think of like that um, yeah. and then that also kind of like side note that makes me think of like they they focus in the in the book sometimes of like they call it cross sleeving where it's like a man put in a woman's body or vice versa. Yeah. So you've got mixed gender kind of assignment there, which is I feel mm-hmm. like that would be even more jarring. To that be is cross sleeved. That's another thing I think. Uh, if this book had come out maybe ten years later, mm-hmm. maybe that would have been like a bigger thing that they talk about because they do mm-hmm. talk about in the book that how jarring it is to be put into the gender of a body or, or the sex of a body that your gender doesn't align to, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, which of course is, is crazy that, you know, almost 20 years ago, a book came out talking about this. I mean, yeah, not that crazy. I mean, this isn't a new issue, but it's, it, yeah. but that's like another thing. I think if this book had come out a little bit later, that that probably would have been another focus that they would have made. And maybe in the later books, they talk about it, um, mm-hmm. but they definitely don't go into it as much. Yeah, they they talk about it as far as it being a very uncomfortable experience because yeah. your mind is not physically able to wrap around like, I, I do not belong right. in this body. But I mean, I feel like the statement is definitely there that it's, you know, you don't feel right. comfortable in your own skin. Um, but they definitely don't dive into that from like, you know, a, mm-hmm. a statement about being, you know, transgendered and not aligning with what your right, exterior right. looks like. Having right? people actually be resleeved purposefully into into a sex that is not what the their original their birth sleeve, I think is what they call mm-hmm. it. Um mm-hmm. being resleeved purposefully into a into mm-hmm. the opposite sex. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that would be something. I mean, it's a bit. I mean, the story, the point of the story, I think, is is about classism overall. But I feel oh, like yeah. that could have totally. been an interesting addition. Um, oh yeah, and it kind of is there anyway, even though it's not explicitly talked about. You would assume that 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 actually is something that happens. Oh yeah, most likely. Yeah, it just they, there's no focal point there because it no. This particular story, it's not really something that's necessary. But it, I mean, there's definitely conversation there for that. Right. Um, because this is a, a universe where you could easily do that. And they even have um, bodies that can literally be modded to like, if you think about it, it'll reconstruct yes. the face. The synthetic, uh, a synthetic clones. sleeve. Yeah, yeah, the synthetic clone uh, sleeves. Yeah. And I think they yeah. just call them synths, right? I think so. Yeah. And yeah. they, you're right. They, they mold to your self image. Mm-hmm. But they aren't as good. Like Takeshi talks about because it's with Trep. He's, I think. Mm-hmm is the first synth synth sleeve he runs into, or at least the first mm-hmm. one that he runs into with us following him. Yeah, Trep and then also Carnage, who's the... And Carnage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Carnage. And Carnage, yeah, looks like all like messed up and stuff, but like that's how <laughs> but he But he did thinks... it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, that's how he thinks he looks. Yeah, Trep is in a synth sleeve, and she... But he know he like can tell. Like, there's something about synth sleeves that just don't look quite 
right? It's like I think right. I would say uncanny valley probably would be how I would imagine it's described. Yeah. You look at a face and you're like, eh, like it's something's off. Yeah. It's human. It's a human face, but it doesn't look quite real enough. Mm-hmm. So there's some drawback to synth sleeves. Um, I, I think they're usually meant for like they're like disposable sleeves. Pretty much is what yeah. it seems like. If it dies, it dies. You know, it's not a real human body, so it doesn't right. matter. Right. It, which is such a fascinating visual to put in there. It's not really necessary for the plot, but it's a very cool thing to kind of insert yeah. the possibility of like what what technology can do at this point right. and what me- medical technology can do at this point too because the stacks are a miracle, right? Right. Yeah, they're like a they're alien technology, I believe. Mm-hmm. The the cortical stack is based on some humanity ran into some old ancient alien technology and then mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, well, uh, we can do this with it. <laughs> we can make stuff with this. And then they, yeah, yeah, literally downloaded the human consciousness onto a disc that they put in on at birth, I believe. Actually, I don't know in the book if they say that. I know in the show that they in say the that's show, they how say it is. it's like literally like a couple like weeks after birth. Yeah. They, it's pretty wild to think that everybody has that. Like it's just everyone it's just has one. The, the thing. Yeah. And the poor can get resleeved if they die. It's just that like, like how we have. Okay, well, you get, you know, if you commit a crime, you get a, a public defender assigned to you. Mm-hmm. In this world, it's like if you die and you can't afford to buy a specific sleeve, we will put you into whatever available sleeve we have on because right. the local government just holds on to all these extra excess sleeves, mm-hmm. keeps them like in working condition, and then they just put someone into it whenever they, you know, need to be resleeved. So yeah. someone coming out of prison, someone who died, and they are resleeving them. It's just whatever they have handy. So that's where the stuff like being resleeved into the wrong sex, or being resleeved mm-hmm. into the a different race, or or an age, or an age. Yeah, mm-hmm. like uh, Irene Elliot, I believe. Um, Irene? No, Ava. 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 No. Yeah. Ava Elliot. Yeah, Ava um, Elliot gets sleeved into a different different raced body and different age so yes but still the same in the book it's she's still sleeved into the same sex yeah she is still in a female sleeve yeah yeah i i just like can't wrap my head around how like i just wonder how the human psyche has evolved at this point to be able to handle something like that because i feel like that this is not something that your body should be able to do i feel like mentally i feel like wrapping yourself around something like that it definitely seems like people have trouble with it. Um, yeah. And there's the the Catholics, which is funny. Um, so, oh, yeah. Let's talk so, about the Catholics. Yeah. yeah. They're so in this there. This is a huge part <laughs> of the story, actually. Um, yeah. So the Catholics still exist, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, religion still exists. The Catholics now are saying the human the human consciousness should not exist past death. You get one body. You get one body, and then when you die, you don't get re- you can't you shouldn't get resleeved. It's you know it's um or otherwise you can't rest in heaven. Don't go to heaven. Yeah. And so it's it's so interesting because it's such a clever way to incorporate religion into futurism, mm-hmm. where the Catholics literally get like an o- organ donor card that you would have if you got in an accident. It's like something encoded onto their stack. That mm-hmm. when they die, it says they call it religious coding, and mm-hmm. it literally says, "Do not spin it's me a back." Do up. not resuscitate. It's a do not resuscitate order. Yeah. 
like <laughs> etched into your digital stack for religious purposes. Yeah, it's wild. So the Catholics, I don't think it's just the Catholics that think that, but they're definitely like the main. Well, that's the focal point in the book for sure. Point. And I think they call it Neo-Catholic, like Neo-C is yes, the coding. Yes, Neo-C, yeah. Yeah, so that's like, it's the new Catholic order. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, yet again, we see a very... Uh, <laughs> a strict guideline from the Catholic church in the future. Um, and it's, yes. it's a yes. big deal. The book, it's a very, very big deal. From what the point we get to there, there's currently a, a legal fight over it because the Catholic church says if we're, if you're Neo C coded, you cannot be spun back up, which is what they call mm -hmm. it. They like put you in like a virtual world and they bring mm -hmm. you back to life. So you can like talk virtually about like, this is who murdered me. You can literally say who murdered you because you get brought mm -hmm. back to life and the catholic church says no you can't do that because it you can't go to heaven if you get spun back up it's against god's um, will so there's a legal battle where they say like you should be able to spin someone back up once if they have neo-c coding if they've been if they were murdered we can spin them back up to testify Mm -hmm. about who murdered them and then we will not we won't put them in a new body we won't right. like it's just bring to figure them out back. who killed them yeah and that's it and then we will put them back and we will not do anything with them and mm -hmm. the catholic church says no you can't do that so there's a huge like uh oh yeah what are they i don't remember the actual it's like like prop top, prop 236 or something yeah it's it's um article like 68 or so i can't remember yeah. the, the number um they keep mentioning it throughout the entire book they mention it Pe protesters outside the the resleeving facilities and mm -hmm. it's funny that you mentioned like pro-choice and everything because uh <laughs> because it yeah. ki it's exactly what it is like it's, it's pro-sleeve versus you know pro-religion i don't <laughs> yeah i don't know we, i don't know like, what it yeah, is yeah you can't no one you know should be able to resleeve because it's right. against god's will it's like pro sleeve versus pro death. <laughs> yeah, like pro like pro eternal thing. life, I guess is probably what they would call it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty wild, but yeah, they do cover that it's a bill that's going to be passed that would allow neo C coded yes. folks to be able to be spun up to to testify. Yes, because currently they can't be. Because currently, yeah, it's just it's all or nothing, right? So you yeah. either can you're not neo C or you are. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's a tough coding to like it can't be faked. Right. It's done by like very efficiently. Like you couldn't just. Yeah. It's not just slapping it on there. Yeah. 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 It's supposed to be very difficult to fake. Because there's a whole thing about that where they're like, oh well, you could kill someone and then you could neo c code them and then they wouldn't no, be able to testify. Know. But there's a trace, you know, that the police talk about. Like, no, we can tell like when it hasn't been added officially. Mm -hmm. So there are protections about, you know, making sure that people don't do that to the people they kill. Yeah. And that all wraps into the whole. And that all wraps into literally <laughs> the entire story yeah. um, is based around that. It's so funny because they it's like mentioned in the beginning and kind of like mentioned throughout very lightly. Mm -hmm. It just keeps coming up. He's like, there's like a flyer mm -hmm. he finds. It's like the protesters outside when he first arrives. Mm -hmm. And then it, it all comes to the end. And there's like, I was thinking the one thing I would say in the in the book, 75% through the book, when he starts, he really starts figuring stuff out, like what's mm -hmm. going on. It's super interesting because uh, I feel like he literally writes down the exact thought process that Takeshi is going through. And yeah. like when you get to the end of the book, 
and you get to the conclusion that he's arrived at, I actually went back because when I, as I was reading it, the thought process, mm-hmm. because it's very jumbled, it's very mm-hmm. uh, quick. Like, yeah. yeah, very literally short sentences and like, like just a list, like a page is just a list of thoughts he's having in order that they're happening. And you're like, mm-hmm. what the hell is this? Like, yeah, this doesn't <laughs> mean happening? anything. <laughs> and you're like, I don't understand. Like, I've been reading this whole book and suddenly I have no idea what's happening. Like, yeah. did the author have a stroke? And it's like, <laughs> and then you're like, you get to it like, a, like, I don't know, a few chapters later. Mm-hmm. I actually went back and read because I had actually kind of forgotten what the twist of the story was from the show. Oh, yeah. It's a little different. But the um, I went back and read it, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, it actually does make sense to the conclusion that he arrives at. Oh, yeah. It's just that it makes no sense when you aren't at the conclusion yet. But, like, yeah. it's interesting <laughs> because, like, the writing gives you that really in-depth look at how an envoy processes information. Because that's why he gets hired by Lawrence Mm -hmm. is is because envoys are known for being very astute, very um, Mm -hmm. clever. They they call it envoy intuition. Yeah. Is what they kind of call it throughout the book is that they just have, you know, like you were mentioning before, like that sixth sense where they can Mm -hmm. perceive beyond what the average person can perceive. And that's what makes them so good at what they do. Right. Yeah. Full circle. We're back to. (laughs) Yes. We're back to Lawrence. (laughs) The ultimate tangents. (laughs) Lawrence Bancroft, he is such an interesting character because he had his character. <sighs> I love that scene where it's so it's after Takeshi and Miriam have their little tryst in the in the hotel. Yeah. I, and I also wish that they talked a little bit more about like neurochem stuff. They do a little bit mm-hmm. in we, we'll get to the show later, but the bodies have like things added to them like it's like mods. enhancements yeah. mm-hmm. so like miriam bancroft has like all of her sleeves have some pheromone added to them the genetically altered pheromone yeah. yeah there's like a drug in her sweat and in her saliva and in her other juices um <laughs> yeah they go into a little bit of, a little bit of detail uh in yeah. that little tryst it's that they have in her entire body yes um <laughs> So Takeshi and and Miriam have like that little thing. And then he goes to talk to Lawrence for like an update. And Lawrence is that awesome scene in the book. It's in the show too. It's a little different, but he's talking about, he's talking about like what it's like to be married to the same person for, you know, hundreds of years and how, He's like, yes. I. He's like, yeah. So I heard that Lawrence. I heard that you go beat up prostitutes, like mm-hmm. literally, and the and then buy them new sleeves after you've like mangled their bodies. And he's like, yeah. well, yes, of course. Like I got to try new things. <laughs> I got yeah. I can't do these things with my wife. Like I, yeah. you know, I respect her too much. And he's like, what? You can't. You respect your wife too much to have sex with her. And he's like, once mm-hmm. you've lived. Uh, as long as I have, you realize that, you know, the person you're with is is too special for some carnal desires. And it's it's so interesting. It's such a great yeah. peek into his character because he really does like think so highly of him. He really believes what he's selling. Oh, yeah. And that kind of goes back to like the God complex thing. Right? Exactly. He's like above everybody else. And he's got standards. He's got rules, yeah. which is why he believes that he couldn't have possibly committed suicide. Because exactly. He would never do such a thing. He would right? never commit he's suicide. He's convinced that he would never stoop had so to be low murdered. and then botch it at the same time because he's not right. dead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the 
kind of like hubris of his character mm-hmm. that scene it definitely comes out in that scene yes for sure it's pretty crazy to see because he's like oh yeah i would never hurt my wife that's why yeah. i just mess with other people and then just replace them because it's just it's easily replaceable it does their their bodies don't matter i can do what i want with them and, and that's I pay the, them. <laughs> that's the scene right and he pays them by giving them a new upgraded sleeve is what they call mm-hmm. it so like the prostitutes get like I don't know, like a like a younger body with like bigger, bigger boobs and like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's literally like a body upgrade that they mm-hmm. get from, you know, being tortured. Yep. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what a market. And then he talks about I think that's the same scene. He talks about how there's a line, though, that he'd never cross that he would. Um, I believe he says he would never kill, but he would never kill them, I think. Like real death. Yeah, he would never real death them because I think he does. Yeah, I think he does kill the bodies, but he they get right. The sleeve death is there, but the real death is not. And then he buys them a new sleeve, but he would never real death them. Like that's this like line he would never cross. Morals. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And which is very important to this to the story because ultimately that's Mm -hmm. what ends up being the case is that he goes to this. What is it? Head in the clouds, I think is what it's called. Head in the clouds. Yeah. Head in the clouds, which is this high end, literally floating uh, prostitution house uh, brothel. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, but it's high end. They have like pretty much only serve meths, I think. Yeah. It's all super expensive. Nobody else can afford it. Yeah. Yeah. And so they like do this thing where they teach people. They're like, oh, yeah, here, go into virtual and you can you can murder these people. And it's no big deal because it's virtual. So like not real. Yeah. Um, And then they get them hooked on that. And then they say, okay, well, how about this? Why don't you actually murder these people? And don't don't you know you want to? You've got a taste of the real thing. Yeah. So he that's what he ends up doing is he ends up killing. I don't think in the book, I don't think he does sleeve death them. No, but what the issue is, is he, he kills them. And then they find out, you know, that these prostitutes have been coded as Neo-C. So they yes. can't get spun back up. So they're the basically whole. real death because mm-hmm. they yeah they're neo so these prostitutes were were coded religiously coded without their knowledge yeah um so they they're in on this thinking like yeah it's great i'll do this i'll just I'm get gonna, replaced i'll just get a new yeah. sleeve it'll be an upgrade it's no big deal mm-hmm. but it turns out that they the owner of this establishment raylene uh, kawahara does not want it getting out what it is they're doing to these girls and so they get neo c coded mm-hmm. which is supposed to be impossible to fake which yes you aren't supposed <laughs> to be able to do that without going through official channels yeah so yes yeah, so then they do this and then uh and then it's like oh well now that you've killed this prostitute and she can't come back uh why don't you sign this you know use your sway in the un to make sure that this uh this law doesn't pass so that neo c stacks can't be spun back up so that they can all testify on the crazy illegal stuff we're doing up here yep and he goes no i don't want to do that and he's so guilty that he goes back and he kills himself in order to forget that he did all this well he actually does help sway the un that's right he does help kill it he does he does help kill it and that's why he's guilty because he's like i thought i had scruples you know like i thought i had morals that i lines that i would not cross and then he he did all those things and he couldn't live with it so he thought he would kill himself but then he just he just wanted to forget he kills yeah because later on he's when when they're confronting him about this he says like has the man who did this not already died 
he doesn't remember doing it because he killed himself before his backup. So therefore it's not there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So like the crime has been punished for and it and it's like, well, no, that's not really, you know, you are still the same person. Right. Right. Just because you don't have the memory does not mean that. Right. Oh, it doesn't count because I don't remember doing it. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's not how that works, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's God. It's just such a fascinating twist. It's so well woven. Yeah, it is. Because that is like, I think literally the first thing when he walks out of, when Takeshi walks out of the clinic, um, or not the clinic, but the- um, The re-sleeving facility. The re-sleeving facility. Mm -hmm. um, it, they, it's the, the Catholic The very protester. first thing he sees. It's like, that's, yeah. it's like the first thing and it is the entirety. And they keep bringing up Mary Lou Hinchy, mm -hmm. who is, or Henchy, um, who is- yeah. uh, a body they found in the ocean just randomly like Floating just around. washed up and mm -hmm. the bay city police found this body and she's coded that they, they couldn't do anything with it so they're just kind of holding on to this case and that's actually the case that elias Riker was was chasing before he was put away for um for real deathing, real deathing some mm -hmm. people yeah so it's all very connected yeah, yeah, the the layering, it's so good. It's so well written and it, yeah, man, it's quite the ride. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. so it's so good. I love the writing style for this book. And I I want to move us away that we could talk about yes. the book forever. I know, I, I know. There is another piece. <laughs> yes, which, there's I mean, more. There's, there's so many things that we didn't even cover, but I feel like um, let's transition a little bit more into the show. And then mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot we can talk about in the comparison section. Yes. So let's move to the show side. Mm -hmm. So I'll do a quick little synopsis of that. So uh, Takeshi Kovach is a chameleon of sorts, but in the world of altered carbon, that doesn't make him unique at all. In fact, just about every human born has this ability because the technology exists to upload a person's consciousness as digital data, which can then be downloaded into a variety of bodies or sleeves. Takeshi Kovach, a convicted criminal, wakes up in a new body after 250 years by the uber-wealthy Lawrence Bancroft in order to solve the rich man's murder. Offered immense wealth and, more importantly, freedom, Kovach eventually takes the case. So, I mean, very yeah, similar vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Same storyline. It starts out very, very similar. But I think that the show really focuses on Takeshi Kovach as the envoy and how yes. he kind of interacts with the world. And he has a lot more pensive moments of remembering his past and yes. how that kind of created the person that we see today. But yeah, we didn't really talk about Takeshi at all in the first section. No, so let's, he's let's talk he about the like main the character. Vehicle in the book, but he's not mm -hmm. really the focus. Like mm -hmm. he, it's all from his point of view. Yeah. But like, yeah, he talks about like Jimmy DeSoto in the like, mm -hmm. and that's like a little like he talks about what it was like with the um, uh, on Inen Inenen 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 Inenen. Um, yeah, and the, and the viral in and in. strike, but we don't really get much really for his backstory. Yeah. We know he's an envoy. Well, in the, so I, the, the, of course the, the big glaring thing, I think when, when I first started reading this book, we had both seen the show. Mm -hmm. I watched it, I think when it came out in 2018, I think then I recommended yeah. it to you or you had yeah. also started watching it. But the first glaring difference I would say is that Takeshi mm -hmm. in the book 
is a UN envoy. So he's a special mm-hmm. forces for the UN. And in the show, he is a, the envoys are a, they're like a quote unquote a rebel. rebellion. Yeah. yeah. They're a rebellion group, which is completely different where they're fighting the, 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 UN. Uh, the UN, the protectorate, yeah. which they call them the protectorate. But I think that's just like the military extension of the UN. I yeah. Think, I think. Yeah. The protectorate is like the government body. Mm hmm. Uh, or the military body, I guess, technically. Yeah. The UN is kind of the more government body now. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, big difference on so, that yeah. front where he was a rebel. <laughs> yeah, he used yeah. to be part of the protectorate. He went rogue, joined the envoys and was fighting against the protectorate. Yeah. And then was, you know, flagged as a terrorist and a traitor. And then yeah. was put after all ice. the envoys. And he's the last envoy in the... Yeah. In the show as far as he knows he's the last envoy in the show and in the book i'm pretty sure the envoys still exist like he talks about them in the book is like he's kind of on the outs with them but like he they still exist yeah he definitely is kind of the, the whole last of his kind is a, v- a very big push in the show because you know everybody he knows and trained with to be envoys have all been assassinated yeah and so he is really the the last of his kind and so that mm-hmm. is a big drive where it's like he has a lot of uh, issues with like, where do I fit into this world? Like, I don't belong anywhere because what I've seen, what I've experienced, I don't feel like I belong in this world. And also the whole big pull of the envoys in the show is that they were trying to fight to not have people become meths, essentially. They were right. trying to stop people from getting to that point where they could just live forever that that's what they were fighting against and then it ended up happening anyway and he's like cool so everything that i did does it doesn't matter right they all died for nothing yeah a lot of a lot more trauma with kovach and in in the show much more brooding in the show Mm -hmm. yeah than he is in the book we also because we get to see you know joel kinnaman is a is a very kind of he does the brooding face pretty well does he's so um, good though <laughs> i know he is actually uh i i was very impressed mm-hmm. when i went back and rewatched the show after reading the mm-hmm. book um i was very impressed with how he managed to kind of keep that stoic like because Ko- uh, takeshi is like he knows that the on what people think of the envoys mm-hmm. so he knows kind of how to play people's thoughts on that yeah they're like oh well the envoys are, are super smart and they're like really scary and like you know they're and they're rebels and terrorists yeah and he's like oh yeah so all i have to do is just tell people i'm a non-boy and that kind of gives me space and i don't have to do too much past that to kind of push that around yeah i think that um uh, joel kinnaman did a really good job of giving the character more not levity but just a little bit more humor to the character um he has his like really serious moments but then he also has like a lot of really great one-liners like there's uh the episode where he goes to the party that Bancroft has where he like invites everybody who could potentially kill <laughs> him. Right. And he goes up to the security guard and they, they're like, do you have any weapons? And then he's like, uh, and then they pull out a gun in his bag. He's like, oh, I would have left it in the car, but I'm really nervous about leaving it in this neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like where the meths live, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like literally a- up in the clouds. Yeah, and it's, I mean, there's a lot of really kind of funny moments where he's just like deadpan, and mm-hmm. it, he did a really good job of of kind of humanizing the character. Like, it's not just, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I'm on a mission, and I've got to go from A to B to Z, you know? Like, right. it's a lot more 
texture for the character, I think. And I like I like that they picked him. It was a good choice. Yeah, which I I had I had seen him in like one thing before this. I think He was in the killing. He was in the killing. That's the yeah. first thing I think I ever saw him yeah. in. Um which, which was he also was a lot more like whiny and like kind he of He was skinny I'm edgy. and like he was very skinny. Yeah. He was um he was a he was a cop in that one, which is kind of funny, but mm-hmm. he He was homicide. Very different character. Yes, that was the <laughs> first thing I saw him in. And in this one, <laughs> yeah. he's like buff and angry looking. Yeah. Very angry. <laughs> and he has scars yeah. all over him. Yeah. I actually, okay, so this is a bit of a jump forward, but. Um, <laughs> it's fine. The part where, but I was thinking about this when I was watching the show because they do this a few times, but I think with him specifically, that that scene in the, in the, towards the very, I think it's like episode nine or episode 10 mm-hmm. when they clone him. And he mm. double sleeves mm-hmm. in order to get like the whole thing. That whole twist at the end. Yeah. He, the clone comes out like at, like they're showing like the clone get 3D printed, which is a thing they can do. They can 3D print entire yeah. bodies. Um, yeah. It's illegal, but they can do it. But the, uh, the clone has all of the scars that he has, which it yeah. shouldn't because scars are not a genetic thing. So like in order to get yeah. the clone, they, he's like, so, like, if you're thinking, like, oh, you pull a hair or, like, skin cells or, like, a mouth swab, mm-hmm. those don't carry your scars with you because scars are not a genetic thing. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even... That was the one oversight <laughs> I thought. I was like, I was like, that's wait a, a minute. point. <laughs> you shouldn't have any of this. Interesting. The, and that yeah, would be I the way know. to tell the clones apart because, obviously, you can't tell the clones apart because they, yeah. their consciousness in that moment is exactly the same. As well as Ooh, the that's fact, that's a really good point. <laughs> but that would be because in the although we're not comparing the book yet, but mm-hmm. uh, in the book they have a different solution to that, um, right? But right. in yeah. the show, it was like because when uh, Raylene, when the clones for her, because there's a point at which she like gets a cut on her cheek or something, mm-hmm. and that's how you kind of keep track that it's the same clone because right. it has a cut on the cheek. Because there's that other scene where the, all the clones are coming out and attacking. Yeah. They all don't have that scar on their cheek. Right. Because that's just unique to that one. It's unique to that one clone. It's it's a minor complaint that doesn't really matter. (laughs) But like. They didn't get the scar thing right. I'm sorry. He shouldn't have those scars. (laughs) Especially because the scene with Ortega telling him like how he how Elias got all those scars. Mm -hmm. This happened when like a drug bust gone wrong. Like this happened. Mm -hmm. Like I gave him that one. Yeah. They, They obviously are from him through his line of work yeah no that's a re- <laughs> oops <laughs> it's just a small thing i was just, just a little oopsie about it. that's fine like, yeah but i, I mean i think that's how that works yeah it's yeah i think that the, the show definitely shows a lot more background for all of the characters um, yes i mean takeshi is obviously the you know the focal point mm-hmm. but you know there's a lot of a lot of other characters that you get to see their lives so like ortega yes. ortega uh, Kristen ortega you get to see that her family is Neo C and she has a lot yes. of um, conflict with kind of talking to her family about why she thinks stacks are a miracle and that everybody has the right to be heard if they get murdered and her family's mm-hmm. like as horrible as that is, they will never get to heaven. So we can't support that. So it's a really, and you get to see her family. So they, I mean, right. that's- Ortega is, is a, is a Bay city police officer, by the way, she's the mm-hmm. Lieutenant. Yes. Elias Riker was her partner and also her partner. Yeah, her partner, yeah, her lover. Yeah, 
her, so they were together. Yeah. So that's why she and Takeshi are kind of uh, they have like a bit of a romance in the story because he is in her boyfriend's body purposely purposely put there by Lawrence as a way to torment her kind of twisted because they couldn't solve her murder (laughs) yeah so so because (laughs) she was like you just killed yourself it wasn't a murder Lawrence got all little like petty and bought her boyfriend's sleeve off of storage and put Takeshi into that sleeve yeah so we get to see her family which we don't get to see in the book no not at all and and we have that scene with the grandmother who yeah who gave up her coding Mm -hmm. because that's a big thing is like they have all hallows eve where you can literally bring the dead back to life and and have Mm -hmm. you know dinner with them have a party with them so you rent out Mm -hmm. a sleeve you put your loved ones in a sleeve and you get to hang out with them for for a night and then you you know put them back in storage for until next year and obviously the catholics don't do that because they don't they don't don't believe in it except ortega's grandmother who who had renounced her coding uh Mm -hmm. before she died and i think they don't say how she died but i think it's i think the assumption is it was natural like she just got old i think she just got old yeah but they yeah she denounced her neo c coding so then they spin her back up for all hallows eve and yeah they put her (laughs) yeah put her in this like crazy tattooed biker dude (laughs) i'm pretty sure like yeah like i'm pretty sure he has like neo-nazi like tattoos on him and like he's a body that got like he's some guy that got dragged into the station like that night Mm -hmm. he was like high on something and he was like trying to fight all the cops and and they knock him out and they you know take a stack out put him Mm -hmm. like put him in storage and then just a body so then she's like huh and then she sleeves her grandmother because there aren't any other sleeves available she sleeves Mm -hmm. her grandmother into this six and a half foot tall you know (laughs) gang member gangster guy (laughs) which i think that actor that actor oh my god he gets that happens to him like three times in the show Uh where he's like the original guy that gets pulled into the precinct and then he's he's ortega's grandmother for a night Mm -hmm. and then he also gets uh dimmy the twin dimmy the the twin which we didn't talk about dimmy the twin at all yet but yeah so like this actor gets pulled in to like three different characters and he does different accents for all of them yeah well and he speaks fluent spanish when he's Mm -hmm. ortega's grandmother i mean this actor i'm like kudos to this actor he did such an incredible job to to be able to like personify three different people like very very different people very different people at all, throughout yeah. the show and it's i think a lot of characters like that um pop up because right you know, you're pretending to be somebody else in a body so you have to have you have to be able to kind of impersonate a person but still in your body and it's it's yes. hard to do pretty interesting that's what is fascinating yeah about this is like you get to have from a book perspective, it's super interesting just as an idea. From a show perspective, it's super interesting to see like like from a mm-hmm. production standpoint of yeah. like getting you have to, to actually see act that out. characters, yeah. Play the same character in different bodies or play different characters in the same body. Mm-hmm. So it's just like you get such a you get such a range, but then I'm sure it's also difficult because they have to find you know actors who can do it. You know, be, be different <laughs> people. Yeah, and that happens quite a bit in the show because you you know again going back to the the Bancroft party, Kovach sees what looks like Miriam Bancroft is having yes. a fling with Curtis, the um, right Curtis the security guard, 
And then, no you know, he bounces. He, he's like, okay, you need to leave. And then he's stuck with Miriam Bancroft. And then he's like, who are you? And she's like, I don't know what you mean. And he's like, like uh, yeah, yeah you you look like Miriam, but you're not. So who are you? And she's like, oh, I'm Miriam. And he's like, yeah, what's my name? And she's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> when she's supposed to know. Who, so then it turns out it's their daughter, Naomi, yeah. <laughs> who's like stealing her mom's body for the night yeah. to have sex with Curtis. <laughs> Yeah, it's really weird. It's wild. It's like, yeah, it's so my mom weird. has this state-of-the-art sleeves. Yeah, why wouldn't I want it? Why wouldn't yeah. I want to be in this, this? And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, God. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. It's very, very weird. And then also Ortega's body gets stolen by Ray at some point. Yes. So then she's pretending to be Ortega, and then she's Such Ray. a great scene of, yeah. like, the swap that she does after he's like, what did you do with her? And and then, like, her facial expression changes. And Everything. she's like, took you a bit to notice it, didn't it? Yeah. And she's like, I can see why you like this sleeve. It's nice. And she's, it, it, it's such yeah. a wild scene because it's like, it starts out very touching of like him giving her a bath because she just got the crap kicked out of her by Ray. Right. And then she starts being off a little bit. And he's like, this isn't, what, yeah. Where, where are you going with this? And then all of a sudden it clicks. He's like, oh my God, you are not Ortega. And then that shift of her going from like, Oh, what what do you mean? You're hurting me. And then she's like, ooh, now I'm the one that's in control and I've got this body and right. I can do what I want with it. And it's like this huge, just complete shift. Right. It's such a cool scene. It's and it I feel like obviously they it happens in the book, but it's like, yeah, the effect is is wildly different. And I feel like that's the main yeah. draw of the show is that you do get to see these completely different swaps of characters as they go in and out of, mm-hmm. of different bodies yeah that it, the effect of that just isn't quite the same in the book yeah. they talk about it but they but it you know you don't get to see it you don't get to yeah. to experience this character that you know suddenly act completely differently uh yeah. but look exactly the same and it i think it lends itself to how disorienting it would be in real life for that mm-hmm. like when the grandmother shows up at the at the all hallows eve party and for a moment they're all like like who is this random giant person you've <laughs> scary man you've brought into our house and they're all scared yeah. for a second and then she starts talking Mm-hmm. And they all realize that it's Abuela. Mm-hmm. And then their attitudes completely change. Yeah, I just, I can't wrap, I still can't wrap my head around like, okay, so you say this is grandma, but then it's like, think of like, they have the grandkids there. Yeah. And it's like, they're they're playing with her and saying, oh, do this, do this, grandma. And it's like, that's so weird to me to be able to completely shift of like, yeah. this is grandma, but you look nothing yeah, like, but grandma is like a six and a half remember. foot tall, you know, neo-Nazi now. <laughs> yeah. like, it's it's so crazy. Like, I, I don't understand how people can even shift. And they actually kind of touched on that in the show, too, where mm-hmm. the crazy, like, battle sleeve to the death thing. Again, everything crazy yes. happens at this Bancroft party. The Bancroft party is a big Yeah, yeah. so that crazy, like, sleeve death battle royale thing mm-hmm. which is wild so the, the the whole premise of the battle is like you get two people that will fight against each other and the winner gets an upgraded like fancy sleeve yeah by but killing they the other one by killing the other person right and and in this particular fight scene it's a husband and wife doing it which yes. is just so messed up and so then they're like oh yeah we do this all the time this is how we get you know we we have to pay for the sleeve somehow and then they're like 
do you have kids? And it's like, yeah, yeah, they're totally used to it. And they're like, no, yeah. trust me, they're not, they're used, not to used to it. To it. Like, it's just... <laughs> yeah. Oh, both, yeah, both uh, Takeshi and Ortega, both yeah. are like, they're not both used like, to no, it. No, they're not. They're like, how old are they? Oh, they're like five and seven. Yeah, no, they're not used to they're it. Used like, to it. <laughs> Yeah, like having your wild. parents, like knowing that your parents are going out to fight each other to the death and then one of them is coming back and they're both coming back in different sleeves. Or one you of don't them know dies. that at all. Yeah. Or you don't yeah. know that they, they leave looking one way and they come back looking they completely back. different the next day. And it's like, yeah. Oh, how wild would that be? I mean, the, the emotional scars that would leave on you. Right. Well, Takeshi right. talks about that, how like he kills his dad Yeah. because he kills, because his dad kills his mom, but in he does. Show. In the show, in the show. Yeah. In the book, he talks about how his father was in prison. For some reason, they were at they were at the resleeving facility. And he talks because he talks about the resleeving facility and how the shock of like, you don't know your loved one is, is coming out and you have no idea what they're going to come back as. I mean, yeah. um, so like Ava Elliott, I think, think, yeah, Ava Elliott in the show mm -hmm. comes back mm -hmm. in a man's body. She's cross-sleeved yeah which which is different than it is in the book yeah. but her husband uh vernon is very you know when she when they first show up in the hotel and vernon's like you know oh good you've you've brought another one and and even the hotel yeah. is like oh who is this who are you yeah and ava is like vernon it's me and then she goes to hug him and he's like get away from me you weirdo Whoa. like yeah he's like who are you and then there's a moment of realization where I think she, I don't remember what it is she says, but she says something that like convinces him. And there's like a moment, but he still looks very confused and very yeah. off put. Yeah. yeah. He starts to realize, but it's still like, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing right yeah. now. Yeah. And, and Poe says something. Poe is the, is the um, hotel. The hotel is an AI run hotel uh, themed for, it's called the Raven, I think is the hotel mm -hmm. name. And yeah. Edgar Allan Poe is the AI who runs it. So it's just a guy who is like Edgar Allan like, Poe. Poe is so good. So the greatest addition to the show, I think. Yeah, he's not in the book at all. No. I love that they added him. He's the, It's the Hendrix uh, in, in the book. And, and it's so a woman it's, and she's just an interface. That's it. Yes. And there is no AI that's like talking to them, but it's a Jimi Hendrix themed hotel. And in the, in the show, it's a, as Edgar Allan Poe, the Raven themed hotel. And so Poe says something about like, they say that like. Love transcends all or something. Right. And I think in the book he talks about like, it takes a bit to get used to. Like he, I think he mentioned something like self-help books about like how to not feel like you're cheating on your spouse. Because like it's still you, but right. the body, the mind has trouble getting over the fact that it's a different body, even mm -hmm. though it's the same mind, it's the same person, but you feel like you're being unfaithful because it feels like a different person, even though it's I not. was actually thinking that when, you know, the scene where Ortega and um, Kovach hook up. Yes. I was like thinking about that because it's like, okay. So from Ortega's perspective, this is the body of her boyfriend, Riker, but right. she knows that it's not actually Riker in there. So right. is that cheating or right? <laughs> like it's his body, but it's not his mind. And the mind is kind of the important bit. So like, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's all sorts of messed up. So you're like, wait, so if your stack is in a different body, 
is it still cheating? Because the stack, like, right. is the stack the important part or is the body the important part? So yeah, and- then the opposite. Yeah, is the opposite true? <laughs> if yeah. it's the same body but a different stack, is that still cheating? Is that cheating? Yeah, and I it's feel like, like it, yeah. it's a different person. Mm-hmm. So hard to say. But it's the same body. So, and yeah, <laughs> I, I keep coming back to the book, and, and I, I know we're not quite to the. Well, if we're there, we're there. So let's let's just get there. Yeah, okay. We're it's just, really hard to separate them. They they're very close, but there are big differences. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's the, because that scene happens in the book, but on the the boat, the boat. Um, Elias's boat, going to Hawaii. Yeah, and then like, coming back, <laughs> and then coming back. So so yeah, they they get on a boat and they hang out and they. They hang out. But in the book, they talk. He uh, Takeshi talks about that, where he's like, he feels an attraction to Ortega that is mm. above his consciousness. Like, right. Like, it's a pheromonal attraction. Yeah. yeah. It's like uh, his sleeve is like hooked on cigarettes. So he has an addiction that he has to fight for cigarettes. His mm-hmm. sleeve feels physically connected to Ortega. And so mm-hmm. he has this he his mind is having this fuzziness. That he's mm-hmm. trying, that he has to try and reel in when he's around her, uh, yeah. which he eventually doesn't because they, you know, do stuff on the boat. Um, just <laughs> like, stuff. but in the show, they they have that scene, but they don't really go into that as much as Mm-mm. they do in the. No, in the not book. at all, really. Yeah, they never talk about it with them. Yeah, the book definitely breaks down the science of it. Like, yes. you know, it's it's something that he cannot control, which yeah. totally makes sense because that body. You know, pheromones are being produced, right? Not by the consciousness. That is a, a chemical, a physical thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. So that is not something your mind controls. That is just something your body does. Yeah. So it does make sense that that would be a factor. That's like, oh well, they already had an attraction before I jumped into this right. body, so it would still be there. <laughs> right. It hasn't been that and long. Y- yeah, for her it hasn't. Um, no. For him, it has, but then but. they also, you know, the the twist at the end, you know, instead of him double sleeving in the book, he right. switches into a different body, and he actually makes a comment that well, he's double now that I'm in this, but well, he's, he's double sleeved, but just not in himself. Yeah, yeah, they don't clone his body, so he's still double sleeved, but he's in a different body, and he comments that, you know, now that I'm not in Riker's body anymore. I don't have that strong of a pull when I'm with Ortega, like that, that drive to be with her and be next to her and just be with her all the time is not really there anymore. It's just kind of like dissipated because he's not in Riker's body. And he senses that she feels it too, because when they're, Mm -hmm. when they're flying to the head in the clouds, he talks about how her tone is different. Like she's Mm -hmm. a little bit more, she's a little colder with him now that he's in a different Mm -hmm. sleeve. And he he feels more detached from her as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it is interesting that so there is some amount of like it's a bit of both where it's like the the mind is you can have the same mind, but be in a different body, but it feels wrong. But you could mm-hmm. also have the same body in a different mind and it still feels wrong. Like yeah. <laughs> the two pieces can now be separated from each other, but it doesn't feel right when right. they are. So even yeah. though human beings have transcended the need to be stuck in one body, I think is as Lawrence puts it, or I mean, maybe Ray says it, I don't know, but yeah. it still doesn't feel right to the humans doing it. Like mm-hmm. there's still sleeve sickness. There's still the people around you don't get used to it very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's a, 
a very big deal and which which makes me really want to talk about uh Dimitri Cadman. Yep. Let's Dimmy do it. the Twin because I think Dimmy the, the Twin is the most interesting character that they didn't do enough with in the show. Yeah. Because in the book Cadman is fascinating and actually like mm-hmm. and Takeshi is kind of scared of him. Yeah, he's the patchwork man. He's the patchwork man. So Takeshi <laughs> yeah, just grew like up this scary scary children's story exactly <laughs> so scary T- Takeshi grew up on this planet called Harlan's world and the, the book takes place on earth and the show takes place on earth but he grew up on a planet called Harlan's world and they have this like folklore of the patchwork man which is it's like it's kind of like Frankenstein a little it's bit like a, like a golem Frankenstein yeah kind of it's thing. like yeah. some this this person created a golem to help her with work I think mm-hmm. and then she like took a bunch of pieces of bodies of dead bodies sewed and them sewed them together and then created this thing that, you know, do be her slave pretty much. And the mm-hmm. slave rises up and it kills her. And then takes parts of her body, take parts of her body and then starts wandering. <laughs> and then, you know, the body's parts start decaying. So he has to keep getting new body parts. So he has to keep killing people and taking their body parts. And, and, and he's, they call him the patchwork man because he's, you know, and Terrifying. it's a thing. Oh, don't stay up later. The Patrick man will come and get you. That sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like the boogeyman. So, you know, 200 you know years later, uh, Takeshi is at, on Earth and he meets this guy called Dimitri Cadman. I think in the book, I don't remember if they if they say his first name or if they just call him Cadman. But uh, they call him Dimitri the twin in the book, too. So okay, I think they, they do. do say, they say Dimitri and then they so say Dimitri. He's and then I think they just Dimitri call him twin. Cadman for the rest of the book. Um, so, so Dimmy the twin, he is called Dimmy the twin because he's double sleeped, um, into two different bodies, which is illegal. And he refers to them. He refers to himself as his brother, even though it's just him twice. It's weird. And so (laughs) Takeshi has some run-ins with him. And so, uh, at one point they're in virtual, uh, it's him, Ortega and Cadman. And so in virtual, it's really interesting. They talk about this in the book. I don't know if they really go into this in the show as much. Where like in virtual, your persona in virtual is based on what you think you look like. So like Mm -hmm. how you feel you look is how you will look in virtual. And like nine times out of ten, it matches your real life sleeve. Mm -hmm. Assuming that you are used to the sleeve you are currently in. You've identified with that sleeve. Um, So now, yeah, you're attached to the sleeve. And so you'll look that way in virtual. Cadman, however, in the book, when they go into virtual, Takeshi is actually like startled because, and so I think so is Ortega, because Mm -hmm. Cadman is a literal stitched together of all the different bodies that he has moved in and out of and like been Mm -hmm. double sleeved in and like hundreds of bodies he so he is and so Takeshi says oh my god it's the patchwork man like lit and then (laughs) so that's I think in the book where we learn what the patchwork man is is Takeshi Mm -hmm. kind of like thinks back on that and so he actually is kind of like unnerved and afraid of Cadman because he he is kind of like an envoy and he's also super versed in in Kellisms, mm-hmm. um, which we haven't talked about. Calcrest Falcon. We haven't talked about at Kill all. at all. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, <laughs> but the uh, he so he's almost like an envoy. He mm-hmm. has this innate or or like he has no problems being a killer. Like 
Takeshi talks about how the envoys are just human beings, regular people that were trained how to not be human beings anymore yeah, in terms of like of their any violence. sort of empathy and yeah, yeah like they literally are just killing machines they strip all of the normal human responses away so all you're left with is just killing. it's just violence the violent yeah. part of a human being is left um yep and so cadman is is like that he is this human that has no pro- who who has no problem swapping between bodies who who actually thinks of himself as just this patchwork human mm-hmm. that also is incredibly violent and has no and and shows up a lot more in the in the book has a lot more agency of his own I think he he still is like a pawn of of Raylene in the beginning but he still has like that kind of um he kind of starts he goes rogue and like starts yeah yeah, and in, in virtual, the, the cool thing that, you know, they describe it in the book, but I think it was really cool to see in the show when he's in virtual, he's shifting, his face is visibly shifting in and out of mm-hmm. all the different sleeves that he's worn. So it's like it's one face and then it like glitches and then it's another face or it's like doubling up on multiple faces. Right. And it's literally just any face that he's ever worn because he just kind of jumps in and out as he feels he wants mm-hmm. to. It's a really, really weird concept, and it looks really cool the way they yeah. did it in the show. And the voice changes too, obviously because yeah. it's a different actor, different characters. So yeah, it's the same people. person, but it's the actor gets swapped, like, mm-hmm. on, but gets yeah, layered body. on top of itself. Yeah, it it looks like a weird glitch in the system, but it's just all the different identities that he's assumed at some point, and they all stack on top of each other, which is. Right. The patchwork man. It's terrifying and it's so yeah. cool. It's Ooh, like it's the so... the ultimate end result, I feel like, of like like the meths are the perfect idea of human consciousness being passed on to mm-hmm. itself. It gets passed to the same body. And you live, you know, 300 plus years and your consciousness and your se- sense of self is very strong because you've lived mm-hmm. in the same body for that long cadman is like the probably the realistic actual end result of human consciousness being immortal pretty much where he isn't super rich so he just gets whatever body you know and he's also like his bodies die a lot so he probably gets Mm -hmm. resleeved more than the average person would yeah he's just he's a he's a grounder as they call it so yeah he just finds whatever bodies he can and he's like really a scavenger he just tries to find something that he can put on throw away when he needs to get a new face right very very different oh yeah his character's crazy yeah and in the show he he is that guy that uh the grandmother ortega's grandmother gets sleeved into Mm -hmm. cadman gets sleeved into that guy later yeah um yeah so we yeah we get to see that guy with a russian accent yeah (laughs) and so it's he really does embody kind of the problem i guess like especially when he's in virtual because you can Mm -hmm. really see that it starts to it's it really affects his sense of self Mm -hmm. because he has the memory of being in all of these different people but it's still him so it just compounds itself Mm -hmm. just on top until until he just becomes literally just like a, a collection of different bodies that all are just a mess yeah and he's crazy he like he's crazy. gone insane <laughs> yeah well yeah because no psyche is supposed to be able to right. take 
that many iterations that are all very, very different. And they actually say in the show that they find that sleeving into your own body, you don't have the sleeve sickness. You don't have the mental breaks. Like it's a a much easier transition because your mind is able to compensate. Oh, it's just, you know, it's still me. There's nothing to adjust to. So it is a very big thing. That's right. Because in the show, he gets sleeved back into Takeshi gets sleeved back into his original body. It's it's a in a flashback. He gets sleeved into mm-hmm. his original body, and yeah, he like talks. He's like, oh, it's a little weird because it feels like it's been worn, which it has been worn by it someone has, else. But it is me. It is me. Like, but it feels like someone else wore it for a while. Such yeah. a wild thing. Oh my gosh. Well, I wanted to switch gears a little bit because I've been dying to talk about it. Let's talk about the big, big switch, <laughs> the ending. Yes, <laughs> and, like the, the drive. Ending. To the ending. So let's talk about uh, Ray's character. <laughs> Raylene Kawahara. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about that. <laughs> so Raylene is a meth. And in both the book and the show, in the book, she is the mastermind behind all of this. She is the one who runs Head in the Clouds. She is the one who gets uh, Lawrence to hire Takeshi. She is the one who doesn't want the... that one law to pass in order Mm -hmm. to spin back up the Catholics in order to Mm -hmm. testify. And ultimately is the one who gets Lawrence to uh, tank that in, in the UN, Mm -hmm. which leads him to kill himself. She is also someone Takeshi met years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. She was like part of the Yakuza on Harlan's world. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was a very ruthless, vicious person. Assassin. Uh, Yes. And now she has amassed, large amount of wealth and has a lot of power in the show (laughs) Raylene Kawahara is Takeshi's sister which is way different Uh, they have obviously known each other their entire lives uh, and they both join the envoys together Mm -hmm. and then he thinks she dies uh, and then he kind of goes off on a spiral because he he thinks she's dying. He thinks that Kelcrest Falconer died, who he was in love with. And yep. it turns out that Raylene sold out the envoys to the protectorate mm-hmm. and then got resleeved and then became a meth. And then the, the story as it is, is more or less the same mm-hmm. on what she does, her motivations. She still has head in the clouds. She still messes with Bancroft and all that yeah. stuff. But the relationships are very, but the relationship very, is different. very different. <laughs> so it's it's interesting in, uh, because I do have uh, I do have sort of mixed feelings about it because it is a mm-hmm. very large shift. Obviously because in the book Takeshi is kind of scared of Raylene because he knows yeah, because how she's nuts yeah, yeah. and she's powerful <laughs> and he knows that he can't really beat her mm-hmm. um, and she's holding his girlfriend hostage yeah which who is a character in the show who, who's in the show for the first ten five minutes. minutes ten minutes of the first episode and never mentioned yeah, again in that flashback yeah and she is literally the point the point of the second half of the book is that like Raylene's like I have your girlfriend I have her stack hostage. And if you don't do what Mm -hmm. I say, I'm going to spin her up in virtual and I'm going to torture her for, you know, for a a thousand lifetimes and she'll go crazy. And so that's why he helps her in this one in the show. She says, I have Ortega's body and and stack. And if you don't Mm -hmm. do what I say, I'll I'll torture and kill her. Mm -hmm. So it's a little different. But the motivation is is generally the same, except I think in the show it adds to the very that very last bit 
where they're in the head in the clouds and they're in her mm-hmm. office and they're having that like last fight. And mm-hmm. it adds a bit more. I think I liked in the show because in the book, it's like, you're like, well, you know, he has no real problem killing he her. He wants to kill he her. He wants her yeah, dead. He, he the second her. he realized she was alive, <laughs> he wanted to kill her. Um, he just couldn't. Yeah, he absolutely hates her. And in the show, it's like he doesn't want to kill her. Like, right, he, it's his sister who he thought had died. He and thought then he she gets was dead. Back. Yeah. And then he has to kill her. Like, because she won't stop. Because she is mm-hmm. like, yeah, I sold out the envoys. I killed the woman you love. And I'm going to keep killing the people you love because I want you to come back with me because we are family and we're the only things that matter and no one else matters. And it's tough for him because he does love her. She is his family. She for for most of their life, they it was just them together. Yeah. And so I think in the in terms of a a character relationship shift, I think that actually I do like how the show did it. I do, too. It makes that much tougher as an ending as opposed to the book where it's like, eh, well, why would he care if she dies? He doesn't care if she dies. Right. And and I think that draws a lot more to Kovach's character as a whole because you see the, like the flashbacks of what happened when they were children and then what happened mm-hmm. when they both got older and she got sold to the Yakuza and then like they find each other and they join the envoys. And, like you see all of this background of like it, it's his only family and so then you know he thinks she dies and then she comes back and then he realizes that she's like turned into this monster that she's yeah kind of kind of lost it a little bit she has lost it she's lost her way and he's like the you know the ray that i knew was kind and was nice and she's like i killed her like she's dead that ray is dead and i was like wow okay because she's been alive this whole time he's been in storage yeah just waiting to find the right time to bring him back yeah. So it's it's really tragic. Um her but I think that the the drive for the ending, it just made more sense with her character because mm-hmm. there's so much more inner turmoil that he has to go through because he's fighting against his only family and yeah. you know, one of what two people he's ever loved in his life. <laughs> right. And it it's it is really tragic and she's fully aware that she's like, you know what, you can Kill as many sleeves of me as you want, but I will continue to always come back and kill everyone around you until you come back to me. Yeah. So that outcome, it's, it's, it's tragic. He literally has to kill her. Like, mm-hmm. they spike her her back up. It's actually the same in the, in the movie, in the show and yeah. the book. They spike her yeah. back up with this, like, virus, this, like, computer virus, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And so it corrupts her backups so that, she only has the one stack that she's currently in. Mm-hmm. And then he they she he real deaths her. Ugh. Yeah, because she won't stop. And yeah, and, and he's not happy about it. No, because it's his sister. He loves her. And and honestly, like Jishin Lockman, she oh, she's like perfect for that role. I, I loved her for that role. I think what was the word you used? Pixie? Like Yeah. Her face is a very pixie, like very God. stark. Very sharp features. Sharp, yeah, yeah, sharp features. Yeah, she's Stunning. wonderful for that role. Yeah, she's beautiful. And yeah, I mean, she's beautiful and she's powerful and she's terrifying and crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a great, great role for her. I love that they picked her for that. And then, you know, her bouncing around, she bounces around the most in bodies, I think, yes, because she's think. playing like six different people that are all just following Takeshi around. She is the little girl in the museum. She mm-hmm. is the woman with the snake at the, the at Bancroft's party. 
she is the man who is that we think is the one running all of the behind the scenes stuff. He's but supposed it's... to be like the handler of Demi the twin and like yeah. another, you know, another meth of which we he's got, you know, dealings and stuff. Yeah. Which we don't know anything about him. Some mystery guy. And then she gets sleeved into Ortega for a little bit. And then, yeah. And then she's in her, and then she's in her clones and the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she bounces around all yeah. over the place. Yeah. Just kind of shows her, you know, her mindset of like, I can do what I want. And that, that whole, like, I wanted to go back to that curator scene where she's got the snake where she oh, yeah. sleeved a human into a snake body because right. he was a prisoner on death row and she gave right. him the ultimatum, like either you get killed or you right. erased. Yeah. You get erased or I will take you and save you. But she didn't tell him what she was going to do with his consciousness. Right. So he agreed. And then she stuck him in a, a snake body and they said, you're not supposed to do that because the psyche cannot handle right. being put in an animal body. And she said, Oh, well I just felt like it. It was, it was for science. Like, yeah, like, like we're meth, we can do whatever we want. Yeah, rules don't apply to us, right? And so then she says, oh, yeah, I tried to re-sleeve him back into a body, and all he did was just writhe around on the right. floor. So now he's a snake forever, and everyone's like, oh, that's amazing. Oh. How hilarious. It's like a and show it's, and it's tell. Yeah. messed up. Like, that's the mentality now. Which then made me think, like, is that a thing people do? That's terrifying. <laughs> I hope not. It probably is, because... In the show, they talk about sleeving humans into animals. So you probably could sleeve an animal into a human. Yeah, they're like, don't do it. It's not good. Like, they highly recommend you do not do that. Yeah. Because I think they said it's, like, not humane. Yes, it's, yeah, because the human, the, the mind goes can't handle not being in a human body. It can yeah. barely handle being in the wrong body. Exactly. Let alone it's like they can... being in a completely different animal, let alone not a mammal. Even. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just anything that's not human is just a no go. Like your body can't take it. If you put a human into like a chimpanzee, I feel like maybe it's close enough that it might be able to deal with it. But you can't speak. Like that's you the can't, thing. Like it's it's such a different thing that yeah. your body is trying to communicate in the way that it knows how, and you are physically not able to do it. Like right. you, you would break. I can't imagine how you wouldn't. But obviously, right. the more you know, primitive the animal. So snakes. Right. I mean, snakes are old. They've been around for a while. Like there's no way that you can shift into something that drastic. Right. Like that's yeah. I that that was such a disturbing. <laughs> like concept yeah oh god and they thought it was funny which is like oh yeah they were all totally fine except Takeshi was like (laughs) oh he was appalled yeah because it is disturbing and it's like wow way to be assholes about it and like just completely disregarding anything that would happen like she joked that oh it was for science that's how I was able to get away with it because I said it was for science right yeah messed up yeah, but yeah, uh, I think I I do like how they portrayed Ray in the show a lot more because it, it just that drive was was yes. more stark. I think I yes, it it made more sense from a character standpoint as to why mm-hmm. Takeshi would care so much about what Raylene was doing because after mm-hmm. he had completed his goal in the book, she was like, okay, I'll release your girlfriend and you can just go off and you know live your lives and you know leave me the hell alone that'll be it i'll leave you (laughs) alone and in the show it's like 
he does this thing for her in order to convince Bancroft that it is that he was murdered. Yeah, he lies to him on how what happened. In order to like finish the case. But unlike in the book, that she still has a tie to him. There is no, even though he completed this thing for her. It's not over. It's not yeah. over. There's an even more of a reason for the final showdown to happen. Yeah, and then, you know, on the flip side, she dangles at the very, very end that oh, yeah. Kel, the Kel is, is apparently alive. alive. So let's actually, I want to switch over. Let's talk about Kel. <laughs> yes. So Kel is supposed to be the um, the rebel leader of the envoys in, in the show, and she's also the inventor of the stacks. But she changed her name and changed her body so that people wouldn't know who she was because she's ashamed of her creation because she wanted to do it truly from a scientific perspective of being able to travel into outer space and she couldn't accomplish it in her lifetime. So she invented stacks so that she would have more time to do research. And then it got, you know manipulated and completely turned upside down and turned into, oh, well, we never have to die ever again. Right. And so she wanted to reset and stop everybody from being able to just re-sleep over and over and have everybody will die in 100 years. Right. She knew that the rich would be able to never die and become this ruling class and, and nothing could be done about it. Yeah. So she wanted to start everybody over and bring back real death. And she's also the love interest of Takeshi Kovach. Because why not? This is in the show. (laughs) This is all in the show. Yeah, Yeah. she is mentioned twice in the book. It's nothing like this at all. (laughs) In the book, she is not the leader of the envoys. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. Virginia Vardura is uh, is the leader of the envoys. um, Mentioned every once in a while, but not really a big character. And Kel is like, Kel is the leader of the rebel group like she is in in the show but it's not the envoys and Takeshi has never even met her in the book right. he just knows of her <laughs> everyone knows of her she is this yeah. figure this mythical figure almost like everyone there's, there's like these books called like Kellisms or something like she has like yeah. books of like her thoughts of like like it's like the wisdom of Kel <laughs> in like book form <laughs> yeah she's like a philosopher but also like a revolutionary so yeah, the the character is literally the backbone of Takeshi's sort of motivation in the mm-hmm. show. And then in the book, she's just a character that gets brought up occasionally whenever he kind of has like a thought where he's like, he'll like say one of her sayings. Like he'll, mm-hmm. so, you know, people will be like, oh, like a big Kellist, are you? Kellist, yeah. You know, if you were quoting Plato to people, mm-hmm. that's what it would yeah. be like. But in the show, it's like she was... A traitor to the UN. She was a uh, not respected nearly at all, like no, she was. I mean, the they book. really demonized her, um, her character in the show for sure, and had a much bigger part. Oh my god, she was completely vital to his existence. Essentially, like she was the reason that he became an envoy. She was the reason that he hated meths, and like throughout the entire show, she keeps popping up in his psyche because it's like his interpretation of her because he believes her to be dead. Right. And so that's his like mental inter- like interpretation of her being with him and her right. kind of assessing the situations with him. Um, so it's like his mind kind of personified in her body, which I think was kind of a real a fascinating way to drive plot 
Yeah. I really enjoyed having that. She kind of took the place of Jimmy DeSoto, I think. Yes. Yes. Because that's in the book. book. Yeah. He Mm -hmm. has a lot of flashbacks of Jimmy DeSoto, who was also an envoy, who is Mm -hmm. also one of the envoys in the show. I was watching with the subtitles and it's the the red hair guy. It's the guy that loses his eye. Yeah. Yeah. Which he loses his eye in the book, too. Which, yeah, he gouges his own eyes out because of the the virus virus strike. Um, Yeah. And he's the one that says, get to the next screen, I believe, in the book. Yeah, he is in the book. And that's actually Kel where, you know, everything is, if it's a construct, then you just need to get to the next screen, which is is like all the virtual reality kind of stuff. Yeah. So they kind of mashed her character and Jimmy DeSoto's Mm -hmm. character together in the show, which which makes sense. It would be maybe a little bit confusing to have too many of them because he's Jimmy's a side character in uh, in the show. Yeah, that viral strike scene is nuts. Yeah, so it's it's pretty much it's in they don't really explain it so much in the in the show exactly what it is, but it's like a computer virus. The stacks can get infected with this mm-hmm. virus, basically makes it inert. And so it's called the Raleigh virus. The Raleigh virus, yeah. yeah. And it makes you go insane. You'll kill everyone around you and then yourself. And it's a good way to, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, I mean, it's like a war crime, really. But it's, they yeah. use it in the book in wartime in mm-hmm. order to, they, you know, strike. They call it viral strike, and they use it mm-hmm. on the enemy in order for the enemy to kill themselves. Yeah, they basically have them clean themselves out before they get there. Yeah, and then they would come and and wipe up whoever was left. Mm-hmm. And so in the show, the protectorate uses it against the envoys. When in the book, it's um, the hand of God, the right hand of what were those? The hand of God. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, it's whoever that person that Cadman sleeps into later. Oh. The hand of the martyrs of God or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember like that. the name. They're a, they're a group that the that the envoys were fighting on this planet, um, and they used a viral strike on the envoys. And so, yeah, he has that trauma that he keeps going back to of watching his friends kill themselves and each other yeah well and then they use that as part of their kind of ploy to convince bancroft right they're like oh well they got Raleigh right. virus and then yeah they they, they they sifted it into your backup so then you got yeah. infected which is why you had to kill yourself because you didn't want it yes. to roll up to your existing stack so yeah, I mean it's that's a messed up <laughs> yes, thing yes. to do. It's I mean it makes sense though because it's it's technology, right? So you have a virus that you can upload, and it and it results in real death. Yes, and the meths are afraid of it too because it can be rolled up into their backups. So yep. if they're infected and their backup starts, it will also get it will infect their backups because it's a computer virus. Yeah, it's God. That's such a wild thread of the story yeah that i i just because it just makes you think of like somebody had to invent that virus somebody had to write the code to have that be a thing and it's like man that's i mean that's kind of like biological warfare i mean it's. i mean it's 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 a cool idea like that that is very rooted in i mean it's not a cool idea but it's it's in terms of like a writing plot point it's a cool mm-hmm. idea that is very rooted in reality that's why i think the story does so well is that and i think in general i think that's what good sci-fi does is that it takes things that the reader is aware of it takes things mm-hmm. that that we're comfortable with and it kind of shifts them 
just enough that you can create this sort of realistic scenario that it's mm-hmm. like, well, we don't have the ability to load our consciousness onto stacks, onto computers, but I can kind of see how, if we could, how that would work. We don't have the ability to viral strike your consciousness, but we have made some pretty crazy, terrible weapons in the name of war, you know, mustard gas in World War II, mm-hmm. that literally just burns you from the inside out once you, once you uh, breathe it in. And so I think that that's what this story does so well is that it it does take these familiar ideas that we do know yeah. and it says all right this is now now imagine 500 years in the future and let's see what sort of crazy things we can get to you know following this sort of logical conclusion of where yeah. where we are now. Yeah. No, it's it's beautifully knit together to like what you were saying, base it off of what we currently have access to and then just taking it that one step further. Like, wouldn't it be crazy if we had this element involved in it? So in the case where we can save the consciousness and then move it around and then what would happen with that? It is pretty incredible. I think that like good sci-fi also then also takes that a step further where it there is another, like I said in in the very beginning, where there's there's another level above that of like a commentary uh, uh, of something like mm-hmm. this is a commentary on classism. This the the show reminded me a lot of Blade Runner. Yes. And Ghost in the Shell. Visually and Ghost in the Shell, um, mm-hmm. and, which which I'm sure I'm sure that the people who designed the visuals for the show, I'm sure were fans we're of at least that. Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. Visually, very similar. But it's similar to to Blade Runner and Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep because it has that idea of like, what is humanity? What is what does technological advancement do to humanity? Blade Runner has the, you know, if you make something so close to a human being that it has its own thoughts and feelings and can then make its own choices, should it not also have the rights of a human being? Right, because it's already basically there, <laughs> and, right? And so, right, and that's that's like what I would say is like good sci-fi. And I would say this book definitely hits that mark where it yeah. does all the cool little fancy sci-fi stuff that, that sci-fi mm-hmm. does. Minority Report is another one, which is also Philip K. Dick. Yep. But it's, yep. it, it goes into the moral implications of that as well, as well as just drawing it back to things that we know, you know, social problems that we know right now. You know, oh, well, we're 500 years in the future. We can do all this stuff and we still have this problem. Right. We still have the Catholic Church pushing back on certain things. And, you know, we still have the ultra rich literally just being above the law. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it is that's what was so fascinating about reading this book, you know, this year Uh, Mm -hmm. because it was like, oh, my gosh, like this is very poignant (laughs) 20 years ago. And this is still relevant. Mm-hmm. So 500 years from now, yeah, I'm sure it still will also be relevant. Yeah. Ooh, it's so good. Yeah, I would highly recommend this book. Or, I mean, and if you if you aren't a big reader, the show at least. The show does such so a good job. Beautiful. Of ad- adapting it. Is a beautiful it. show, yeah. It has a little bit of extra stuff with the with the romance stories and and yeah. like that that don't quite I that aren't quite as necessary, I feel like to the story, mm-hmm. but it is still good. No, I mean, I it's just so beautifully 
depicted. And Mm -hmm. they did a really good job of keeping to the tone of the book, but they had a whole bunch of characters, side characters and things Mm -hmm. that weren't even in the book. But I don't think that I disliked that. I think it added a lot of extra texture that I kind of was missing a little bit from the book. But what the show kind of picked up with extra characters in color, the book really pulled in a lot more of the kind of world building and the political sphere and that kind of thing. So, I mean, you have like a nice rounded kind of coverage if you do both but i don't think that one was necessarily better than the other it's right. for very different reasons um yes like it just depends on what your cup of tea is on whether <laughs> what you want out of your experience right exactly oh my gosh and i we could talk about this forever there's like there's entire storylines in the show that we haven't even touched no, no, <laughs> like, not at all. there's so many things and there's a season two um and yeah. there's two more books i mean i mean there's a, i know i think i'm thinking i'm definitely of, two i know i really need to um especially now that i've seen you know season one and season two and realize that there's even characters from book one that are actually referenced and you meet them in season two for the first time right. so they've really bounced around mm-hmm. quite a bit but they the cohesion was there which i really yes. appreciated i think that they did a very good job of of creating a really nice trajectory for the storyline but also right. were able to add their own kind of flavor to it and also the the show they actually had richard k morgan there to help oh with the helping screenplay. oh well that makes yeah. sense so that helps a lot where you've got the author there to help yeah. with the color. So that helped, I think, tremendously, even though right. it was quite different from the book. Because it's just a good story in general. Like, it even is. if you took out all the stuff, it's like it's a good, like, detective story, pretty much. It's like a very, like, detective noir feel for the book. Yeah. And then they kind of, like, upgraded it to visually be in the right, you know, like, it's made in 2018 as the show. So they visually updated it. But yeah. then the feel is very noir. Yeah, it's it's great. It's the book is wonderful. The show is wonderful. Everything about it is wonderful. (laughs) Yep. All right. Well, before we sign off, Daniel, is there anything you were reading, doing, experiencing that you would like to highlight? Uh, Yes. I mean, I well, there's two books that I am currently I cannot decide which one I want to start. I'll read them (laughs) both, but I'm between two books at the moment. Uh, One is uh, what I I literally just mentioned, which is Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is by Philip K. Dick. Reading Altered Carbon really made me want to reread Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Yep. And that is what Blade Runner is based off of. And that's what Blade Runner is based off of. And the other book that I am currently trying to decide uh, is American Psycho by Brett Easton Ellis. Uh, I have not read American Psycho, but I've seen the movie. Oh my gosh really want to read the book wow wow wow! that is a crazy book oh my gosh yeah amazing movie crazy book that is on the list both of those are on the list i was gonna say yeah (laughs) i'll read them and then i'll we'll come back and we'll talk about those oh my gosh that'll just be it me suggesting books and then coming back to talk about them later (laughs) i'm i'm all for it Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for being on the show. It was so nice to have you back and talking about more excellent things. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Glad to have you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. And that is the end. 